the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 120 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend with us today. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Baseball365Pod. You can follow myself at Justin Hughes 365 and you can follow Andrew at AMCQ82. If you have not done so yet, join our Facebook group, Baseball365. Over there, we have over 2,700 members talking about baseball every day. The best way you can support the show is to go to iTunes. Taking a few moments to leave us a five-star rating and writing a nice review for us is a great way to help us get our name out there, and we would be very appreciative. And as always, all of these plugs can be found in the show notes. In this episode, Andrew and I are going to bring you our first Dynasty trading episode of the new season. We started this up at the trading deadline last off last year, and we try to bring you at least three of these episodes a year, one around now the third point of the season, and another one at the fantasy trade deadline, and one more in the offseason. So we've done two. This is our third, basically, to make the full calendar year. So this episode will be completely focused on Dynasty Leagues. Andrew and I will discuss trade strategies for this time of the year, and we will discuss some trades submitted by members of the Baseball uh, Fantasy Baseball 365 community. And let's get Andrew on. Andrew, since we're talking Dynasty trades, I thought it'd be good to ask a Dynasty trade-themed question here. Can you name a trade that you've done looking back in a dynasty league where both owners actually came out pretty well? Um, I, yeah, I've got a couple. Uh, about, I think it was 2017, I traded, well, <laughs> I would take this one back, but <laughs> I traded Ronald Acuna when he was in the minors, and got Aaron Nolan Arenado and there was other pieces involved um obviously that worked well for about a year plus and since then it's I mean it's been fine you know Arenado's been really good obviously Acuna's been great so that was I mean that was good for both sides I feel like um another one I did last year was I traded uh Luis Matos the prospect for the Giants for Aaron Savali hmm. in uh, Roto Masters three, which is twenty team OBP, and that's one of those where I'm like, with the state of my team, like I'm um, kind of contending going for the flag this year. Savali's helped for sure, but I really like Matos too, mm-hmm. so I, I think that that's a pretty much a dead even trade honestly and still is i I felt like it was when we did it and that it kind of still is i think that one was close to straight up there might have been like a one round pick swap in there but um yeah those are a couple and i'm i know there's more just a couple off the top of my head and we should add with that acuna deal i fiber i remember that trade and you talking to me about it and yeah it was like a four or five for one if i recall acuna was a piece in there but we should add that Acuna, this was a full year before he blew up even in prospect circles. He, I mean, he was he was a he was known, but he wasn't 
He yeah. didn't blow up I as a prospect until a year later. I want to say he was like around like the 30th ranked prospect or so, 20th, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Um, and it was like a five for three. I think I even had got a cu- couple other guys in the deal. But, yeah, when you get Nolan Arenado, those, the last few years of him at least, it's um, it's hard to be too upset, but it just happened to be the one prospect that turned oh. into a gold mine, you yes. know. So, yeah, it's kind of is what it is there. I tried thinking about uh, ones because I haven't played in Dynasty Leagues quite as long as you, and I thought of one from Rotomasters 2 that I did. Let's see. I guess this would be three years ago. It was end of uh, beg- right before the 2018 season after our first year, and uh, I had Jose Barrios and wasn't competing, and he had just broken out in 2017. And um, an owner that was competing to win now had Brent Honeywell, who had just been announced that he was having Tommy John surgery. And I traded away Barrios, and I got Honeywell, Corbin Burns, and Albert Abreu. And for about two or three years, that trade hurt because Honeywell continued getting hurt. And I still have Honeywell on that team today because his value has not been anything since. Abreu, I don't have. I've I've released him a long time ago. But Corbin Burns came up the next year and was an absolute disaster. So I, I mean, I was pretty like, man, what this trade did not work out. A lesson learned with prospect pitchers. Thankfully, Corbin Burns has turned into a heck of a pitcher now, as we've talked about. So the trade doesn't look so bad. But there's no way he would have been able to have probably. Uh, I highly doubt he would have been able to hold on to Corbin Burns through all that if he if the struggles had been on his team with him competing. So, yeah, that's that's one I'd say was probably a win-win yeah. for both of us. Yeah, sometimes sometimes they take a while to kind of go the other way. So, especially with pitchers. Yeah. All right, let's get this dynasty talk starting. Um, Andrew, Memorial Day is typically the one-third mark of the season. We're just a few days from Memorial Day. A lot of people say that Memorial Day is when you should start giving more credence to the rotisserie standings as categories are starting to take take shape. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah, I think so for the most part. Um, It's kind of always been like the target date there, June 1st, somewhere in there. I mean, I think you can, I think you can look at it before then, but, um, yeah, it's probably kind of the point where you should really be paying attention to what's going on in the standings and like, okay, this is, there's enough of a sample here where we can take it seriously. I remember one of my – I didn't start playing even rotisserie till less than a decade ago. I always played head-to-head category leagues. And I remember it was like 2013, 2014, the month into the season, three or four weeks in, I had like this insane amount of points in my home rotisserie league. It was probably only my second or third year, and I was like, man, I'm going to – I'm in good shape. By the middle to end of May, I had dropped down to about the bottom third of the standings. I learned a valuable lesson that year. I'm like, okay, never, ever, don't get too ahead of yourself in the early going. And the next season, I actually had a monster year and won the league. But I, yeah, I, I really, def, I did not think 
get too carried away in my own head until well past this point even. But yeah, you definitely can, you want to pay attention, but don't, there's still a lot of time. You're only a third of the way in yeah. the year. Yeah, definitely. So what are you doing with dynasty leagues around this time of year? What, like, what are you, with your teams right now, you're competing in all three of your leagues. What, what, what are your, what's your thought process right now? Well, I think you just kind of have to look at your, your situation and be realistic about it. Um, you know, if, if you're, if you can realistically win the league, then I mean, you make moves to go for it or, you know, trade for guys that are going to help you now and potentially trade future assets away. I mean, we're not breaking any news here. People kind of know that. Um, and if you, I, I think even more importantly, though, if you can't realistically win the league, um, I think it's good to just shift your focus to like next year and beyond and not really, not really care that much about this year. Um, there was actually a trade made recently in RM2 and I don't think you have it listed. So I'm going to mention it real quick. The Bregman Robert one. You don't oh yeah. That yeah. Here, that's, you? that's great. I was actually yeah. going to transition in that so, after you finish. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, Bob Bragg and Paul Tam made a trade, and it was Bregman and Kimbrell for Luis Robert and a third-round pick. And obviously, uh, Robert's out for a while still. And I was talking to Paul. Paul's the one who got Robert, and I was talking to him about it last night. And he just likes him for, you know, next year and beyond obviously with the speed and Breg feels like Bregman is kind of capped, even though he's safe, obviously he's pretty much a lock for production, but I, I kind of told him, he's like, you know, I, I think I definitely paid a heavy price, but I told him, I'm like, if you think like, if you like Robert more next year and beyond, then it's fine. Like it's fine to give up Kimbrel, you know, like that's, you're with players of that level, you're, uh, you're going to be more than willing to give up a closer that's had issues in the past. He's been good this year, but you know, could easily go sideways at any point, um, for the better player or the player that you would rather have, I guess is better, better way to put it. So I thought that was fine. I mean, Paul, for some context, Bob was in like fourth and Paul's not really competing this year. So he's looking at next year and beyond. So I just thought that, that, you know, and you kind of have to get your mindset into a place where if you can't realistically win this year, just doesn't matter that much, Nope. you know, and anybody that is hot or, um, overperforming or, you know, just, or whether it's two players that you like, but one of them's out for a while, but obviously you expect them to be healthy next year. You kind of just, I think you have to look at it a little bit through a different lens, you know, when you're just not uh, realistically going to win. Now that said, I do think that some people, probably a lot of people give up a little too quickly. Um, you know, I, I think that there's 
it's still like I, I know we've mentioned it, but it's still pretty early in the season um, to where I think that sometimes, and this is just a gen- generally speaking, but I think sometimes people mail it in a little too early. But that said, I mean, if you're looking at the other teams or the teams at the top and you're realistic about it, sometimes it's probably warranted. I just think that sometimes it isn't too. But um, yeah, it's kind of a whole other topic, I guess, too. Following up so. on that, I'd like to use, and again, circle back to our Dynasty Rotomasters 2 League and use Jeremy Hansen as the example there to what you just said. Jeremy, a month ago, was sitting in the bottom third of the league, 11th, 12th, 13th place. He had a, he finished second in the league last year, has a very strong roster, and a lot of things went wrong in that first month for him. He has Tatis Jr., who has who dealt with a couple of injuries there. He has um, Trevor Story, who didn't homer, I think, until for a lot. He started scuffled. Ketel Marte was on the injured list. Uh, Max Fried was terrible. He just, he had a lot of things going wrong, and he could have, I mean, if he was to decide to have packed it in, I mean, he's in fourth place now. He's got those things, things have come together, and he's moved himself all the way up to fourth place. To where, yeah, you can get in too big of a hurry and all of a sudden things start going right and you're moving up the standings, except you've traded away your pieces that could have made helped you be competitive. Um, yeah, and you can and you can really take advantage of it in I feel like in like late April, early May, if you get a sense that somebody you know, like if you look at your standings, and this is we're probably a little past this point, but maybe even still in that window, um if you look at your standings and you see somebody in like 13th place or something and you're like, Oh, you know what? This guy probably thinks he's out of it. Um, or, you know, 10th place, whatever you want to call it. And you kind of feel him out on a player and realize that he does think he's out of it. And maybe they're not, maybe they've just had things go wrong, but they're just tired of looking at, their team in 10th place and are like, I'm going to pack it in. I mean, I think you can kind of take advantage of that too. Uh, if they're, you know, mailing it in too early. So, yes, that was going to be my advice. Um, with the, what are you doing at this time of year? If you're competing, you're looking at the teams that are out of it. See who's on their roster, a veteran that they probably don't have use that they don't have use for that would be much more helpful for your team that you may not have to pay the price for because they're an older veteran. And if you're not competing, what what Paul Tam did there in that example, you're looking at the teams that are competing and you're seeing who's gotten injured. And maybe you can get them at about 80 cents, 90 cents on the dollar. And you, or, or actually in his case, he paid a good price, but he got himself a really young, exciting player that he thinks is legit. And if you can do that, those that's that's what you do when you're not competing. You look at the competing teams and see what where where you could get something off of them, a younger player or something like that, and help them win now. Yeah. And the other thing another thing to keep in mind too is if if you can't realistically win the league, I would be shopping all of your um, older pitchers, mm-hmm. um, o- overperforming pitchers, 
just pitchers in general. I mean, I yes. would be definitely shopping them, the ones that are pitching well, specifically. Even the young ones. Even the young ones. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe potentially even hitters that are overperforming too. You know, I just think that uh, because you're kind of in that space where the rest of this season kind of doesn't matter once you've made that call and then you're looking at next year and beyond. And let's face it, there's plenty of guys, whether we want to admit it right now or not, that are, you know, this time next year, guys that are playing good now, they're, they're not going to be very good. So there's definitely a list of those guys and figuring out who they are. It obviously isn't easy, but um, just things to keep in mind, I think. All right, so let's get into some of these trades. We I put it out on Baseball 365 and asked members to submit some trades that have they've either been involved in or trades that have happened in their dynasty leagues. See if we can talk about them and give us some conversations. And the first one I got was from Brad Anders, who has is in a 20-team rotisserie dynasty league. And... There's a team that's um, desperately needing steals now and is in the top th- three in the league in the rot- Roto standings. And he traded away Brandon Marsh and C.J. Abrams. Big name prospects there, especially Abrams, for Whit Merrifield and William Contreras. Andrew, if you needed steals now, would you trade a t- clear top ten prospect and top five on a lot of lists in C.J. Abrams to get Whit? No, I would not. Um, I think the best answer to this, because I get it that you're competing and you need steals, but my best answer is I would find a different way to get the steals. Um, and, you know, you can, you can argue, you know, Wits playing well and – Abrams is just a prospect. I mean, I get that side of it, but I just think that there's enough um, enough upside with Abrams. He's just so elite. I, I mean, I think that you can probably even, depending on the league, I mean, every league's different, but I think you can probably even get a bigger name than Witt for Abrams, at least in a package, like if you're packaging uh, something together. So, no, I would uh, I would hold Abrams in that scenario but you know if wit gets you the steals and you win the league then more power to you i mean that's i feel like it kind of needs to happen because trading abrams just i i feel like that's gonna hurt at some point probably pretty soon i moved abrams three or four months ago in our in our dynasty league and i hated moving him i got a i got a great haul back i'm honest but i'm not regretting that trade but it might really sting in a couple of years because we've talked about this. He's got the Trey Turner startup kit in him. And if he turns into Trey Turner, that's a very, that's a first round player for many years to come. And I don't think he's too far away. He's, he's already in double a, um, the nice thing, the nice thing with these, I mean, as we go through this, it's these trades, it's, it's kind of like, you know, everybody has their own philosophy and there's really like in some of the cases, there's really no wrong answer. I mean, if 
if uh, you know, there's people that think that you know prospects are just used to bolster your major league club. I mean, you can make that argument because they are all prospects, you know, until they come up. But I, I just think Abrams is special. Yeah. Um. And you know, wit, whatever you think of wit, he's north of thirty and. I mean, obviously, I like Witt. I have him on a bunch of teams this year, but I also won't be surprised if, like, in a year, one to two years, he's not running as much, even later this year, you know? So just things to think about with him. And that was the point I was going to get to. I've mentioned this multiple times here. I was definitely banging this drum a year and a half ago, going before the 2020 season. Whit Merrifield in 2019 in the first half had 13 steals. And... A lot of those, let's see, let me look, um, 11 of them by the end of June, eight of them in the first two months, and they tailed off at the end of the year. And he only stole seven in the second half. And I was really banging the drum that the speed might be going. And thankfully for him and his fantasy owners, he stole quite a few bags last year, and he's off to a great start this year. Is he still leading the league? I don't know if he's still at the top of the league, but uh, if not, he's right there. Yeah, he's right there, I think. I'm not I, positive if he's leading. He might be. I bet he he's is. Got, he's got 14. Yeah, so he's got I think lead. he is. Yeah, I think he is. I sure didn't see that coming. And um, But anyways, yeah, I ju- I, if I have Abrams, I'm probably trying to get Trey Turner. If I'm moving him, I'm going for that kind of guy. Right. Young, and obviously... And obviously, you're going to have to give up more than more than Abrams, but um, yeah, it, I, I'm with you. I, I, if I could I trade a, Abrams I'm, and um, Brandon Marsh, that's a good starting point. Like, I don't really like cashing out elite prospects for guys that are north of thirty, unless mm-hmm. I'm just man. They got to be. I mean, Witt's thirty-two, mm-hmm. so. And speed and, guy over and the other thing, too. Right, right. That's what I was just going to say. It's a little different. It's like a best pitcher in baseball or something like that. But um, yeah, speed guy at thirty-two. I just, I don't know. I like Wit. Like I said, for the moment. But there's going to come a point where that hurts. I feel like, and I, I think it could be sooner than a lot of people think. Yeah, I agree. Um, what I would. Brandon Marsh and C.J. Abrams, I would have been trying to package that to get Trey. And if you needed to throw another yeah, piece in there. Marsh is the a nice of... prospect in his own right, too. Yep. So. yep. And don't get me wrong, William Contreras is off to a good start for the yeah. Braves. And he's doing yeah. well, but he's by far the fourth piece in this right now. Well, I don't know. Maybe I guess some could argue him and Marsh. But, yeah, I definitely like Marsh. Okay, um, let's move on to the next one. We got John Trebish, who sent us a trade that happened in this 20-team dynasty where one team's going for it. Um, the team selling sold Christian Yelich, Anthony Rizzo, and a second-round pick, I'm assuming a late, what will be a late second, and an early second's in the other side. So let's just get those picks out of the way and forget about that because that's very irrelevant. So Yelich and Rizzo for... Wander Franco, Braylon Marquez, O'Neill Cruz, and Dominic Smith. So, 
I know you're more on the south side with Dominic Smith. I know we've talked about that. Rizzo's one of your guys. Yelich is an interesting one because he's been a superstar, but now we're looking at a year and a half of him dealing with injuries or struggling, one of the two. Where are you at on this deal? Probably should add in here the context that he put with that the Wander owners in first. Yes, definitely matters. Here. Um, so he's going for Or the guy, the guy who traded Wander is um, in first place, 20-team dynasty. Um, I think it's, I think it's fine. Uh, I, if you're trading Wander, this is a pretty good haul. I, I, I like, I think I like the Yelich Rizzo side, but, um, you know, if, if you're not in it or you're years away from competing, Getting Wander's fine too. So I kind of, I mean, I kind of look at it like, I mean, if you're in a startup, Yelich and Wander, who are you taking first? Oh, man. I'd hate to make that decision right now to be. I honest. think it's pretty close. I agree. Point. It's close. I yeah, don't I think know what I would do. I mean, Yelich is arrow down, I feel like. Yep. Um, but that said, I mean, there's so much track record there that it's, I'm not going to like. I wouldn't move him down a ton, but I definitely think he's moved down. Would you be um, surprised at all if tomorrow he started what turned out to be a second, uh, the back two thirds of a season MVP performance? No, 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 I wouldn't. No. Um, also, wouldn't surprise me if he dealt with back and, injuries and played eighty games this year. Right. Yeah, I think there's some question there. I guess my thing with Wander too, and I just wonder how elite he's going to be in mm-hmm. fantasy. Yep. I I mean, he's obviously a great hitter. He's going to hit like and I I think he's one of those guys that'll be really safe. I just don't know where the power's going to end up and I don't think he's going to have a lot of speed, so I don't know. I I think that there's a fairly good chance that Wander's value, like in a dynasty league, is already at its peak, or has, has been at its peak. Um, maybe, maybe not, but that you know, there's there's not a whole lot of room to go up when you're already like considered a top fifteen, twenty dynasty asset, and you're a prospect. You know, so I mean, if you're trading Wander, I think getting Christian Yelich is a, is pretty pretty damn good. You know. And then Rizzo for the rest, I mean, those prospects don't excite me too much. So I think that that's, yeah, I think that's fine. I, it, depending on where you're at in your league, I think is tells the story here. But if you're just saying, like, which side do you like, I probably slightly prefer Yelich and Rizzo, but I think it's pretty fair. I agree. It's real close, especially because Dominic Smith's in there too. And, I mean, he did just come off of a real good year. He, that he has value. Um, you know what? Who I think of with Wander Franco, and this isn't apples to apples because Wander's got a better hit tool, maybe not quite as much power, but it's more the prospect. I want to explain this: the prospect that when he was coming up, he was this like he was viewed like Wander Franco when he came up, and he's just never really reached that elite level. Is Carlos Correa? 
in terms of, and you and I both have talked about how we could see him still going out and having an MVP caliber season, but up to this point, he's yet to be that. He's been a very good player who's been young. And I, I, I wonder if that'll be kind of the similar story told with Wander in terms of trajectory. I think that I think that Wander ultimately it's going to just come down to how much power, how much home run power he has. Because I think he'll hit like high batting averages. I I feel like you can comfortably project that, at least as comfortably as you can for anyone that's in the minor leagues, you know over the last few years, but, um, and I just, I, like I said, I don't think he's going to have a ton of speed. So how much power he grows into, I think is going to be the, uh, determining factor at the end of the day. And I don't know, like, I'm not, what's he I'm need not, to get to for these guys that are really like they're and making trades like this. What's he need he to gets, get to? If he can consistently be at, like 25, I think that's a stud. Because, I mean, he's going to have high batting averages. I mm-hmm. I feel good saying that. So, And he'll he'll chip in some steals. So, yeah, consistently getting to 25, I feel like, would be good. We're talking like prime years. I mean, not immediately, but. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you hope for. And if it if it's a lot lower than that, then you might be disappointed, so. What do you think? I mean, do you have a preference on the side on this trade? Um, no, I, I kind I agree with pretty much what you're saying here. I I have my share of Yelich concerns. Like, I I don't know what. Like, I've been watching him closely the last couple of weeks as he's just come back off the injured list, wondering what he's doing right now. I've been kind of trying to look at the Brewers box score and see how he's doing, and I just I. I hope to see him get it going again. Uh, we're going on almost two years think without he, I him. think he hit his first home run on Sunday or something like that. Yes, he did. His yes, first did. one. And, but they're still sitting. Obviously he's, obviously, he's been out a while. But Yep, they're sitting him a lot. He's not really done a lot outside of that home run in the last week. He's taken some walks here and there. But... He's also just coming back from an from an injury from an injury, then coming back for what a game, and then going back on the injured list. But yeah, again, I could see his stock going either direction over the course of the next few weeks. All right, uh, moving on to Jason Park, who has a twelve-team dynasty league with quality starts and wins plus saves. I should say quality part starts plus wins as one category, and then. Um, I think he meant to say saves plus holds, and I didn't get that into the notes here. Uh, straight up, Jordan Alvarez for Jack Flaherty. I thought that was an interesting one. We just talked about Flaherty last week. Where are you at on this deal? I would take Jordan. I figured you would. And, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, especially because— I think— I've thought a lot about this with Jordan because I have him in a dynasty league and the main gripes with him right now or the main gripe is the knees and just, you know, nagging injuries and stuff. But I think that there's going to be a year where he stays healthy and just goes completely nuts. 
And like, I want to be in on that when it happens. Um, you know, like per game, I like him as, as much as uh, maybe not as much as anybody, but pretty close. I mean, I just feel like he's four category monster for the next handful of seasons, you know, and whenever he's playing, you know, and the year that he does stay healthy, I just feel like he could, there, there's basically no limit to his upside in my opinion. So I would take him over honestly, most pitchers, but definitely over Jack Flaherty. I'm really surprised. I'm looking at Jordan's stats. I don't have him anywhere this year. Um, didn't really dislike him, but I just don't have him. Really impressive batting average and, you know, four categories of goodness, like you said. But I am surprised he only has seven home runs so far. I mean, it's a quarter season. Could be some bad luck in there. I expected that number to be higher knowing he's been pretty healthy in the early going. That's surprising. I I mean, I, I think of him as a 40 home run bat when he's healthy. 35, yeah. 40 home runs. And I, I mean, there's plenty of time for him to have four home runs in five games and all of a sudden that looks a lot better. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I think I'd take Jordan too, but I do think it's I think it's a fair deal. Like if you need pitching and maybe especially cuz he's only UT only, I get I get trading for Flaherty. I'd probably try checking in with other pitching owners of pitching and seeing what other arms are there as you and I have talked about Flaherty recently, but Flaherty's pitching real well and some people haven't noticed that with him. So they I mean you they're thinking they're getting themselves a really good ace and they might. We'll see. Yeah. Um, he did have one other deal he mentioned in that same league, uh, Trey Turner and Shane McClanahan for Ryan McMahon and Trevor Bauer. Uh, the Trey owner had access at shortstop. I think he had, I don't remember now. I think he has Bo Bichette as a shortstop. So he's trading from his excess and the Bauer owners got a lot of pitching. So this is one of those where both teams were trading from excess here. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, as a Trey owner in a dynasty league, if someone offered me Bauer and McMahon for Trey, I would reject it. I figured and you'd say that. That's not even counting McClanahan. So give me Trey and McClanahan all day. Isn't Trey like pacing for forty forty right now? Yeah, pretty much. I'm I'm gonna look this up. I know you he, mentioned he's he like ten, he, ten and ten, or ten and yeah. 10. He he's like quietly doing it too. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's almost like no one is even noticing it, and no nobody's talking about him. Um, but yeah, I would definitely take Trey and McClanahan. What a year he's having! Ten home runs, ten steals, three thirteen batting average, twenty four runs, twenty five RBI, and forty five games. I'm gonna side with. In so many of these, I'm going to side with the bat when it's close and the the main guy or the main uh, pieces in the trade, it, like one's a bat and one's an arm. Most of the time, I'm going to side with the bat. So. Let's, we haven't discussed Ryan McMahon at all since we did our preseason preview. Guy has 13 home runs in 49 games. Yeah. Strikeout rates down to a career low. What are you thinking about this in terms of how real how real do you feel this breakout is right here? Because he's had some bounce of power. I mean, he hit 
nine home runs in 52 games last year. And in the second half of 2019, I don't have it right in front of me. I can see if I can get it in the next couple of moments. But he had a home run surge then, too. In the second half, he had 17 home runs in 70 games played. Yeah, I I mean, I think you have to take it more seriously than you have in the past with McMahon, for sure. I mean, he's playing more. He's playing well. Um, yeah, I mean, I I believe in a lot of what he's doing right now. Um, I just think that when you involve – when anytime there's a trade involving names like Trey and Trevor Bauer, yes, McMahon and McClanahan are almost just like afterthoughts. I don't even – really care that much about them in that deal because I'm looking at the big names because the big names are so big. And when it's Trey and Bauer, I would just rather have Trey. But, you know, to the point where it makes the second, like if you if you flipped McMahon and McClanahan and it was Trey and McMahon, I would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just um, a lot of times, like when you have those like secondary pieces or you know third pieces in deals depending on how big that top piece is like sometimes i just can't get off of that and like if it's trey or bauer like i said i mean i'm just taking trey so all right next up we got two luis castillo trades here Um, do you agree with do you agree with me yes oh completely i mean the secondary pieces do not matter and uh, moving on to this Luis Castillo trade, I mean, this was the discussion I was having with my friend Nathan Winfield, who texted me about a trade he was discussing. And um, he was he asked me straight up, because we're going to about talk about two Luis Castillo trades. Luis Castillo for Matt Manning. Who do you like more? He texted me. And I immediately, I was at the gym, and I just quickly texted, Luis Castillo by a mile. And he's like, I was like, are you actually able to pull off a Castillo-Manning deal? And he said something along the lines of, the guy who has him is pretty fed up. I'm probably going to have to offer something more. I'm like, yeah, give whatever he asked for in the more as long as it's nothing. If it's nothing extraordinary, it's not relevant, basically, to get that deal done. If you can get basically, if you can get Castillo for Matt Manning. So he ended up trading Luis Castillo or trading for Castillo and he gave up Matt Manning and TJ Antone of the Reds. And then I also wanted to share this other trade, which was from Sam Armstrong, who is in a 14-team dynasty with on-base percentage. He traded Luis Castillo and Joey Gallo away and he got Julio Rodriguez and Noel V. Marte. And I put these two together because I think that this is a great example of one in one league. You're trading Luis Castillo away in a deal where he's struggling, where you're making a good deal. And in the other one, you're panicking and you're getting, you're letting your emotions from his struggles get in the way. And you're trading him for a prospect pitcher. So I don't think we need to go much into the first trade there, but good job, Nathan Winfield. Don't, anytime you can get a frustrated owner and you can get a stud like Castillo or a guy who's been a stud, you make that deal especially when you're given a prospect pitcher. But if you disagree with any, if you have anything to add in there, go for it. If not, well, I'm just, I'm just going to go into the second one. Castillo and Gallo for Julio Rodriguez and Noel Marte. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, just real quick to touch on the first one. Yeah, like 
if you're trading Luis Castillo away right now, this is like the panic move. I mean, it's just you want to get a young hitter, I yes. feel like, or a couple young hitters, and I think it's okay. It, I think it's okay to trade Luis Castillo right now. I mean, yes. obviously his value's down, but if you aren't feeling it or seeing things that you don't like or whatever, it's fine to do it. Um, I just don't think that trading him for a pitching prospect and TJ Antone is the way to go. So just my opinion. But uh, with the other one, I would take the bats. Uh, yeah, I would take, I would take Julio and uh, Noel V. Um, who are both I mean, destroying in the low minors right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I would trade. I mean, I would trade Luis Castillo for Julio straight up pretty I, easily. I figured you would. And yeah, I mean, Gallo and Noel V. Gallo think, hasn't been playing the greatest, so I'd probably even do that. Yeah. So. Or I'd at least consider it. I don't know. I mean, it, some of it depends on where you're at and all that stuff. Like, with your team and how much you need those guys. But it, if I wasn't like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, winning the league this year or, you know, right there to where I needed those guys. I mean, I would, uh, I would definitely take Julio and Noel V. So, you know, Julio will probably be helping, by next season, I would say. Yes. And um, Noel V probably beyond that, but Noel V also has the upside to be a top five prospect in short, pretty short order. So, um, yeah, I, I would pretty easily take the bats there, Julio and Noel V. Let me ask you this. Good what? job, good job, Sam, if you're the one that it says he traded for those two. Um, that... I think – you know what? Well, it says he me, traded Luis Castillo and Gallo away, so yeah, I think so. Yeah. If you got Julio and Noelvi, good job. If you didn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but You yeah, didn't get the deal that Nathan Winfield got it's before. That, it's, it's not the worst trade I've ever seen either way, but I, I, I just I like the Julio that. side. Um, going back, if we actually went back two months and – you know, I took over a dynasty team and decided I didn't like it and was going, and I tore down. I I sold my pitching that I had, and let's say I had Luis Castillo in that team. Oh, two months ago, would you have traded Luis Castillo for Julio Rodriguez? Yes. Okay, I was curious to know. Yeah, you... I would. I mean, I was thinking about that because, um, I remember kind of penciling out dynasty ranks and never, never like. Uh, published them or talked about them or anything, but mm -hmm. yeah, I had I had Julio ahead of a lot. I mean, really, most most pitchers. I mean, there's just there's just so many, or not so many, but there's a lot of bats that I would take, like in a startup scenario, over pitchers like Luis Castillo. I mean. <clears throat> I still like Luis Castillo, but you know, you'd have to probably, I mean, like if you had Julio Rodriguez against like Garrett Cole, I mean, mm -hmm. is that, 
I mean, that's the type of deal you I do. Mean, that's. Well, I, I think you're, I think Garrett Cole probably goes ahead of Julio in a startup, but I yes. don't think it's by a ton. I, I think that it's. I think Garrett Cole probably you know, is going in the second round, and Julio Rodriguez is at the two three, maybe some. Yeah, I, I don't think it's like a huge gap. I mean, if you have Garrett Cole and you're not competing, then I think it's fine to get Julio plus a piece or. You know, something like that. But I mostly I only bring up Cole because the gap between Cole and Castillo is obviously fairly large at this point. So um, I, I just think if you're trading Julio, you need to shoot for a higher end pitcher if or, you know, higher end than uh, even Luis Castillo, even, even if you think he's going to bounce back. So I agree. If you're trading Garrett Cole, that's the type of guy you try getting in a deal as a Julio Rodriguez. And right. The same for Luis Castillo. Whoever was trading Luis Castillo managed to pull off getting two stud prospects there. All right, uh, number six here comes from Tito Luna. I put in the notes. He, I talked to him today. He's like, yeah, throw my name in there because at first I, w- I wasn't sure if he wanted me to uh, mention him. But uh, OBP Dynasty League, this one was fascinating. He came to me and talked to me early on before the deal was made and the deal that he ended up closing with is a, this is a 16 team dynasty, by the way, he, tr- um, one side, I think he acquired Francisco Lindor and then three prospects that really don't matter in this deal. Connor Siebold, um, Trevor Halver, the Yankees prospect who had a monster first week in the minors. I don't think he's done a lot since and Jeremy Pena and he, he gave up Jazz Chisholm, Eliza Hernandez, Austin Hendrick, Luis Frias, Frias, and Heston, I don't know how to say his last name. Kierstad. Kierstad. I, I know who he is. I just haven't really been heard his name said many times. Okay. Lindor's stock's down here. Jazz's stock is up. Obviously, the rest of the pieces favor the Jazz side. My question for you, how close are Jazz and Lindor at this time? And do the rest of the pieces involved close the gap? I think in a dynasty league, Jazz and Lindor are pretty close right now. Um, I don't know who I'd rather have, to be honest. I... Lindor is definitely down. I mean, definitely stocked down pretty clearly. Um, we kind of talked about that last podcast. And um, Jazz is obviously stock up. I mean, I still feel like, though, with Jazz that he could continue, you know, this ascent and just be a superstar. But I also think that he may not be, too. You know, it's not – I don't think it's a given. So – I think you could debate that all day. I mean, I don't really think, though, that we're in a spot with Lindor where he's going to be uh, like a first-round pick anymore. Maybe, you know, maybe not even a second-round pick anymore. Um, I mean, it's possible. I won't rule that out. But, you know, if Jazz continues to do what he's doing, and he's obviously significantly younger... I mean, you're kind of comparing Jazz as he's entering his mid-20s to Lindor as he's approaching 30. 
So, yeah, I think that they're, I think at this exact moment, they're pretty close. And I think in a startup, they'd probably go pretty close to each other. Obviously, the the other pieces uh, favor the jazz side. But I think this is one where you really got to look at Lindor and jazz and just take the guy that, uh, that you prefer out of those two. So I don't, I don't really think the other pieces swing it, even though it is, it's pretty clear that the jazz side has the better pieces, but I still think I would want that, um, the guy that, you know, whoever you prefer out of Lindor and jazz, who do you like more? Well, I think it's Lindor, but I, I got a lot to say on this one. For starters, when he told me about this, I was like, I just talked about Lindor on the podcast, and I am concerned about what, what where he's at right now. I have concerns. And I, but I, and I also said, but Jazz is a guy that I would trade, and it's kind of like what you just said there. He might be legit, but I think his stock is up enough, and I think that the risk is enough that I honestly would be putting him out there to see what I could get. And what I told him was I would be making sure the league knew Jazz was available, and I, or I would at least be talking to other guys who have, who are interested in him, maybe have some other big-name young, big young middle infielders and seeing if you could s- secure a deal that way. I'd be, I'd be trying to see if I could get Bo Bichette. Or somebody like that with those pieces, as compared to getting Lindor, who I think is trending down. And you, yeah, it's just two. I mean, it's just two guys going in opposite directions. Yep. Um, and Jazz could go way. I mean, it could go backwards. He. Could, I, this is one. I tell you what. This is one where, at the end of the year, it's probably going to be blatantly obvious. Yes. Uh, I. You know, either way. I mean it. It's kind of like they're both going so hard in opposite directions that um, it could either keep going that way or it could just revert to what it was before. And neither would surprise me that much. I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty tough one. I think it's pretty fair and mostly comes down to what you think of those top guys. Yes. And I honestly. And I do think there's, I do think there's a lot of risk with Jazz, but or more risk, you know, he's, he's kind of a volatile type player, but I also think that um, if one of these guys is exploding into, you know, that kind of next level type five category stud that you dream on in dynasty leagues, it's, it's probably jazz at this point and not Lindor. Yes. I mean, really he's, what Jazz is doing right now is kind of like what Tatis was doing two years ago. And the question was, is this hit tool going to last? And there's an incredibly high BABIP going on here. Is this going to sustain or is he going to slip back? And Tatis kept hitting. And I'm not saying Jazz is Tatis by any means, but I'm... You know, I kind of have those same questions going through my head with Jazz as I did with Tatis when he was starting off and blowing up. And yeah, but on the I, I would sell him. I personally would sell him if the if I got the right offer. I don't know if Lindor I would call the right offer though personally. That's a yeah. fascinating one, and like you said, I think that one will look very 
like that's one that will be interesting to look back at the end of the year. Yeah, I think as the days and weeks, months pass, that one's just going to become more obvious either way, you know, whichever way it goes. So we got a jazz trade to follow up with uh, Kando, um, our third admin in the baseball 365 group, shared a Rotomasters one trade that he's in with you where can is competing or no, am I? No, actually I got that backwards. Paul, his league mate is competing and he traded away jazz and a fifth round pick. And he got a lot of pitching back with Taiwan Walker, Max Scherzer and Kinley Jansen. This is a 15 team dynasty save. So Jansen helps a lot. Scherzer obviously is a short term um taiwan walkers i think he's pitching pretty well i haven't followed him closely but i think he's doing pretty yeah decent. he's um he's hurt right now but he's been yeah he's been good this year when he's pitched so three really good arms for jazz and a fifth what are your thoughts on this one uh i thought it was i thought it was fine i you know one team's trying to win the other team's trying to stock young talent. Um, it was a little shell-shocking to see Scherzer and Kenley go for Jazz. But, um, yeah, that's the price for a potential young stud. So, And in two years, those I thought two it might fine. be nothing. Yeah. But we've also we've been saying that about Max for a while, haven't we? So yes. It's... It's hard to say for sure, but He's nearing I, the end I, of his deal, if I recall. I like, I like the, um, I think I like the Scherzer Kenley side, but not. It's it's fine though. It, trade's fine. Yeah, I his this is the last year of his um, deal with the Nats too. If I, you're, this is one of those trades. If you're competing, and you need pitching, which is exactly where Paul's at. Trading Jazz for this is just it's really good, I feel like. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's a good way to cash him out. And you know, obviously Max could fall off the cliff and the Jazz side could look like the clear winner in a year or two, but you know, if you win the league in the process, I mean it's it's a good uh, it's a good return for Jazz, I feel like. This could be one of those deals that you look back in two years and both sides won. Yeah. Uh, hopefully Paul wins because it also could be one of those where you're like, dang it, I pushed and I didn't make it and I gave up a superstar in jazz and then it sucks. Or, you know what, jazz could also not, not be an elite hitter and slip back. I mean, it, it's. I think a lot of these jazz trades are interesting right now because there's just so m- many directions I think he could go as a player. Okay, um, Adam Vega has our next couple deals here in a 16-team dynasty. He said that pitching has been heavily searched for in this league, and a lot of arms for bats trades have happened. Uh, another Jazz trade with Jazz going for John Means. Man, you want to talk about pitching being at a premium right there. Uh, Fran Mill Reyes right around the injury was traded for Taiwan Walker. I think Fran Mill had gotten hurt, but it wasn't known how long he was going to be out yet i think that's what adams told me when i asked for specifics on what was going on there and then we got lance mccullers going for kyle lewis and clint frazier man andrew 
pitching definitely looks like it's at a premium in this league. Yeah, I would take the bat in all, all three. Yeah, I would take Jazz and Fran Mill and then um, <clears throat> Lewis and Frazier in the last one. Pretty easily in all all three. I mean, you know, every league's different, and some I know some leagues that pitching is, uh, you know, you can make the argument in dynasty leagues, and I feel like this is something that probably isn't talked about enough. But most of the time, when you have like these super teams in dynasty leagues, the or at least a lot of the time, I won't say most of the time, but the top teams have really good offenses and the pitching sways the league typically because a lot of times, and I think a lot of the reason is the pitching is just more volatile year to year to year. You know, you don't, you could think you have a good pitching staff and all of a sudden a couple of them are hurt. One of them's underperforming. And then all of a sudden, you know, you just don't have as good of a pitching staff as you thought. So I think a lot of times the pitching like the winner of the league for that given year, a lot of times is the guy who's pitching just kind of came together because they all have the offense, typically the top two, three teams in a, in a dynasty league. So maybe there's some of that going on here with this league. Obviously I'm not in it. I don't know, but um, yeah, it definitely feels like premium being paid for pitching, which there's nothing wrong with that. If that's like the context of the league. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, I We just talked about trading Jazz. I would not be trading for John Means. That is not the type of deal I'd be looking for. Um, ben Briggs offered up one. He 16-team, uh, 5x5 rotisserie with quality starts. Um, standard rosters here. Um, Max Scherzer and a 2020 round 5 and 9 pick. So Scherzer basically for D.L. Hall, Lou Trevino, Patrick Corbin and a um, 2022 first round and second round pick. I asked him what these picks probably will be in the draft. Like where, where is he thinking they could land up? Because I think that does matter here. Whenever, I mean, if you're talking a top three pick or a late pick, it matters when you're talking at the, even at this point, but he thinks that they will be in the latter part of those rounds, maybe the 13 to 15 range. So you're, you're selling max and you're not competing is this a good enough of a haul getting a first and second round pick? That'll probably be late Corbin Trevino, which Trevino is an odd one to be getting back there in DL hall, or maybe he's got injuries and just someone's needing to fill a lot of holes here. Yeah. I was just, I was just about to say that before that was the first thing that was going to come out of my mouth was, um, I don't get why Lou Trevino is going the other way. Yeah. Like Lou Trevino is a guy that you only want if you're competing. Like if you if you're not competing, just get him off your roster, like trade him away, yep. you know. If you if you get whatever you can and just move on, you know. Um I don't think it's quite enough for Max. Like I would take Max in this deal. Um it's just a weird it's a weird one to me because mm-hmm. like I don't know, Corbin, I mean, he almost feels like the main the main guy in this trade. And then obviously the first round pick. But 
a light one. I don't know. Like if I like if I was going for it and I needed pitching or just Max was available, I would give that up for Max. For so. sure. And like if I was rebuilding and I was selling Max off, I just that's not the package I would want. So yeah, I, I'd take the Max side. You think Patrick Corbin rebounds? I know he you know no. the, you I was really thinking he was done this offseason. I have I have absolutely no faith in Patrick Corbin. I I am so glad I have nothing to do with him. I don't own him on any teams. I have no faith. Like he's still overrated to me. And I just laugh when I see these like, Oh, he's had one good start. He's bouncing back and you can have him. Like I, I have no interest. The velocity was up in that one start. So it started peaking my interest and then he got blown up again. And his velocity I think was back down in the next one. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking he might be cooked. And I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it too, is just where people's heads are at. I mean, cause people are still thinking about Corbin from, previously you know yeah it's just not it's just not the case now so yeah i just he's he's close to a nothing asset to me pretty close i mean it's rough yeah okay well i'm with you there i would be wanting more if i was selling max um you have any trades from your dynasty leagues any of them in any of your leagues you wanted to mention that have happened there was one that in Rotomasters three in mid April that I thought was interesting. It was Freddie Peralta for Chris Paddock, straight up. Huh. And I remember at the time, you know, I think maybe Peralta had, had one or two good starts, and obviously Paddock went much higher in drafts. Peralta's just kind of shot up and still pitching pretty well. So I just thought that was interesting. I actually don't have a strong opinion on that, like long-term or, you know, even really short-term. I mean, but, yeah, I just thought that that was a interesting trade. At the time, I remember kind of being like, wow, it, it almost just shocked you to see it, you know, because mm-hmm. Paddock went higher than Peralta in every draft. But, um yeah, I think it's pretty fair. I honestly don't even know who I would take. What do you have an opinion on? I know you. I know you. Uh, I know Chris a... Paddock. Chris Paddock is not invited to Thanksgiving dinner <laughs> at the at the Hughes house. I know that. I don't but... think he would want to come to my dinner after <laughs> the things I've said about him. Yeah, I'm not a Paddock guy. I, th- I th- have have I actually discussed this much on this podcast? I probably have. Have a little I? bit, I think. I think it's come up, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he's Michael Walker is who I think he is. Um, Walker was a came up through the Cardinals organization and had two pitches, and was looked really dominant when he just came up. And year after year, he had some injuries and he just was not able to remain like a high level pitcher. He's Paddock's going to have a career in baseball as long as he stays healthy, but I just don't think he's going to be this elite guy. He's doing pretty well this year, though. I sh- I got it. I have to admit that. I mean, he's got a two five ERA so far through forty nine innings. So good for him. But I'm just not a buyer long term. Uh oh, wait a minute. I'm looking. I I'm sorry. I'm looking at Peralta's page while I'm talking. So that two five ERA is definitely not the case. Let's see here. Let me actually get some truth. Th- uh, three six one ERA. 
His expected ERA is 3.92. And meanwhile, Peralta's got the 2.5 ERA, and his expected ERA is 2.3 right now, striking out a ton of guys. I would take Peralta. He's I just think he's got the better stuff, the nastier stuff. He's probably a little more... I mean, he he's always walked a lot of guys, but I think he's got the stuff, and he's. I think he, this might be a breakout happening right here. I I definitely. I think I'd go for Peralta. I think I would. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's pretty close. I I don't have a strong opinion on it either way. I just kind of uh, one of those trades that it was like surprising to see, and you know when I saw it, and then now it makes a little bit more sense. You know, I, I get it from kind of from both sides. I'll throw in one that happened in my dynasty league a few weeks back. Uh, Nolan Arenado was traded for Lucas Giolito straight up. I thought that was a fascinating one. And yeah, I, that's a good one. That's one of those that I actually like both sides. I think that one could be one of those win-wins. Giolito's got to keep pitching like an ace, but both of them have downside. I know Arenado's playing incredibly well right now, but I don't... I, like, what are your thoughts on Arenado? I mean, he's had a heck of a month. I know he's hitting close to 300, and I think he's got 10 or 12 homers. I I mean, I think Arenado's really good still. I just don't think that he has that nutty ceiling that he had in cores. And, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's fine. I, I would take Giolito in that trade, but... Um, wow. I mean, it's fair. One of those it's where fair. you take the pitcher. Yeah, I would take the pitcher in that one, but I think it's fair. Uh, I do think Giolito's got the higher upside of the two of them. Aaron yeah, Otto's... I just think there's a little more juice there with Giolito, and yeah. like he, he can, you know, I still expect him like g- going forward. Now, I still expect him to be pretty much what I thought he would be coming into the year, even though I he agree. hasn't been that so far. And Arenado, I mean, he's really good. It's just, I just think there's a different uh, level ceiling with him than there used to be. So, And I think he's outperformed his numbers so far in the early going. I'm not saying that it's by a lot, but this is the high end of what I thought he'd be doing right yeah. now. So, I mean, I still expect more of a 280, 30 home run, 35 home run bat. Not, not the guy that right now is... I guess he's played 49 games with 10 home runs, so he's probably right now even hitting at a 30 home run pace. And yeah, that's just it's it's really good. It's just not you're not you're not getting the um, 2017 season where he had 37 home runs and 130 RBIs with a 309. What's his average. what's his run what's his run in RBI totals right now? 27 and 32. So not bad, but. Yeah. That's pacing for 108 RBI. If you're looking at that, um, you know, I like a little under 100 runs, maybe. Yes. Uh, let's see, 27 for 50. So yeah, yeah, probably 85 to 90 runs yeah. scored. Which I I think I said I would expect him in the 190 to 210 in the runs plus RBI range. So he's, I guess he's kind of doing what I expect with a little more batting average, but. I, I expect that to. Possibly. Yeah, he's de- he's definitely been really good so far. Yeah. All right, we have one listener strategy question I wanted to finish up with here, and actually, I'll follow that up with a, which led me to uh, poll. Uh, Ricky Yee asked us to discuss the dynasty value of Mike Trout, 
And when he asked that question, I asked for specifics because there's a couple different directions you could be going. And he mentioned that he wanted our thought processes of owning him. Would we be trying to unload him right now due to his injury history? If you're competing, can you take on Trout not knowing if the Angels will shut him down? And how many more years do we expect him to be elite? Which all that happened and then I got to thinking I was listening to a podcast today about dynasty values. And I actually started wondering, what would a poll look like right now if I put Trout versus Vlad Jr. in the breakout that he's having straight up? We got a lot of responses on that. And, oh, I had the post here. And now, let's see. I put it on Twitter. And I have about, it's about 60-40 in terms of, in favor of the um, Vlad Jr. side. And here we go. I've got the post coming up. And Baseball 365, I posted it, and we've had 63 votes, and 50 have gone for Vlad Jr. and only 13 for Trout. Andrew, you were on the Vlad Jr. side. What are your thoughts surprise, on this? Surprise, surprise. <laughs> you chose your son over Trout. I mean, I would probably take Vlad four in a dynasty startup today and i'd probably take trout five like i i mean i think it's fine if you want trout i just would rather have Vlad. so and i i'm on the other side on this i think i would take trout but i also think that they belong really close so i don't think this is some like you're a fool if you're taking vlad but I was floored when I saw the voting. And you and I have talked about this before. Sometimes when you put a poll up on Facebook and they see all the Yeah, on Twitter, I, don't like I don't I don't like the face the way Facebook does the polls because I feel like that the other voting influences um you know, people see ten to one and they just think, Oh, I'll make it eleven to one. You yes. know, it's just As I, I I don't like that. Whereas Twitter you don't see it. But. You can't see the results until you vote. And, yeah, I've actually been I've actually been thinking about this uh, for a while. I would well, I would say probably about the last three to four weeks um, when Vlad was kind of starting to show that like this year is going to be different. And I was thinking, and I I've never mentioned it to anybody. I've just thought it in my head. But I was kind of thinking, you know, who would I take over him in in a dynasty league? And the only three names. I could come up with comfortably or Acuna Tatis and Soto. And I, I, I think you can even argue him against Soto, but I mean, that's, that's for another day, but yeah, it's just four category stud and 22. I mean, these guys are so young and it's nothing against trout or any of these other guys. I mean, they're obviously, there's a bunch of really good players, but um, the one known that we have is the age difference. And it's like, if you're going to give me one of these 22, 23 year olds, that's already a stud. I mean, I would just rather have that. So, especially when you're looking at like, a, you know, trout isn't running as much and all of that stuff. I feel like you can poke holes in some of these guys, but um, yeah, I just, I would take Vlad four right now. I'm going to give you my counter for why I would take trout over him. And it, mostly has to do with it it's not the we've only seen vlad do this for two months thing i i don't i wasn't i i did 
I definitely thought he was going to be a stud. I mean, we t- talked two years ago, and he was the top five dynasty player for me too. Um, but I think the reasoning is the weight for me. I wonder if I, I think the weight can, can might continue being an issue for him, and I don't know how much that affected him last year when he had the extra pounds from the court from whenever the second season happened. And yes, he, I think that was, that could have been an eye opener and we don't really see him get to that level again anytime soon, but I'm not certain it won't. And I think that could be something that affects him down the road to where I, I, I just don't know if I see this guy feel confident that this guy in his late twenties getting into his thirties, if that is something like, I think of Pablo Sandoval, Pablo, was not he's not he was nowhere near the talent that Vlad is. Let me say that right off the bat. But Sandoval would have these good seasons, and then he'd gain weight and come back the next year and look bad. And I wonder if that's something that we see with Vlad every now and then. And I don't know. We n- none of us know for sure. But that is my thought process. With you know, yeah, Trout's not. I mean, at this point. If Trout steals 20 bags in a season again, that you just got to take that as an added bonus. You can't be counting on anything like that any uh, right now. And but I just, I wouldn't surprise me if 5 6 years from now Trout's still more going ahead of Vlad in drafts. I mean, I I I I can see it. I just think that that's going to be a guy whose skill set ages real well. But there is something yeah. to be said about his injury history. And yeah, I, I agree with you that um <clears throat> Trout could age or likely will age better than Vlad, I guess. But like you made a comment in there right at the beginning, I didn't want to cut you off, but when you said uh, the weight could continue to be a problem, but like, it's not a problem right now. That's correct. You know, and that's where, you know, we keep hearing this about his weight and it's like, he's putting up MVP numbers. You know, it doesn't, it's not a problem right now. So I don't know. I, I, I see both sides of it. I mean, I'm not going to argue that strongly one way or the other. I mean, I think that it's fairly close. I was a little surprised by how lopsided the poll was too, but that said, I would take Vlad. Yeah. And I would, I mean, past Trout, if I was doing a startup dynasty, there aren't really I was actually I would thinking ahead of him. Yeah. I was actually thinking like who I would even. Who else is kind of in the running there at like four, five, six, seven? But I think it's Bo Bichette is the next name that comes to my mind, and I don't own Bo anywhere. But so I really haven't followed him closely. But it seems like he's doing pretty good, isn't he? Let's see here. Yeah, he's doing pretty good. He's not walking much, but I think Trey is Trey's in there too for me. I think, but yeah, there's. There's a lot of guys. I mean, I I think that those five are probably the clear top five for me. So let's get back and try to answer Ricky's question here. Hopefully he's not listening and sitting there banging his stereo (laughs) saying, guys, I asked a question and you made it your own and didn't even answer any of mine. But um, would we be trying to unload him due to his injury history? I'm on the camp of no. So you agree with that then? With with trout, yes. Um, no, I unless I don't, you could trade him for I don't, Vlad Junior. <laughs> I don't feel like he 
has real injury history. I mean, yeah, there are people know? that think that he's had so many of these little things the last few years. I mean, there were comments in the in that post about they think he may only have like three more years of being real valuable. And I mean, obviously, I think kind of, but I think kind of like with Trout, kind of like I um, did with Kershaw. You know, you remember when Kershaw was like, obviously, Kershaw was best pitcher in baseball for mm-hmm. years, and then he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And everybody acted like he was done, mm-hmm. you know. And he's still now. And those back issues were a lot. I mean, a lot of the the main back concerns were like three to four years ago now. Um, and there's been a little of it more recent than that, but he's still now a really good pitcher. And I can see with Trout where, you know, he's not the best player in baseball anymore, but he's still really damn good. And maybe, you know, people are forgetting that. So that's a great, um, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be looking to unload him or anything like that. I, I think that, you know, trout is trout. He's going to be awesome when he's in there. And even if he isn't running the other four categories are going to be so elite, even you would, ex- I mean, I expect him to be elite even into his mid thirties, potentially, you know, mm-hmm. you never know. You never can say for sure how a guy's going to age. I mean, that gets kind of tricky, but I think, um, I think I would bet on him to age better than most if I had to pinpoint it. So I, I wouldn't be looking to unload him. I mean, is his dynasty value down maybe a little bit because he's hurt right now. And there's these guys that are younger than him that are playing well right now, but that's no like slam on him or anything. I mean, he's still Mike Trout. So you and I have talked about this before, I think in here, but we've definitely talked about this in other and ch- just chats, but the Mike Trouts and Bryce Harpers are the guys that we want to own when they get into the thirties. Cause we think that skill set will age a lot better than the Mookie Betts, Francisco Lindor type player. Yeah. And when I think of Mookie Betts and Francisco Lindor, I think of Andrew McCutcheon. And McCutcheon didn't have the peak that those guys had, but when you're these smallerish power speed guys, it seems like when you hit your late 20s, there aren't too many of these small power speed guys that I've seen that continue holding that value into their 30s. And we've seen, like, Francisco Lindor, we're seeing it happen right now. And I'd, we don't know. It's too early, but Mookie Betts hasn't been – he's quietly, yeah, gonna, been, he's quietly just say, been okay. Mookie's been pretty mediocre, really. Yep. I mean, especially when you consider that it's Mookie Betts. It's just – yeah, he definitely hasn't uh, lived up to it. At least not this year so far. Yeah, he's 28 years old. Right now in 40 games, he's got five home runs and five steals. That's... 791 OPS. Yes. So. I mean, if you own him, I mean, like, he's good. But, I mean, I was saying I'd take him number one overall. and, And I didn't take... I didn't get a number one overall pick. So, I didn't get him other than one redraft league. And he's disappointed where I took him fifth overall. I mean, that's not what you want to get out of a fifth round pick or fifth overall pick. And yeah, he's quiet. And yeah, I, I think that this, you know, 
I think that this is kind of the reason why I will side with the younger player. You know, like when you're looking at a guy that's like 22, 23 versus a guy that's like 29, 30, whatever, um, to me, the one certain thing that you have is the age. Like, you know that you have that age cushion, those extra years of prime production. And you can sit there in your head all day and be like, oh, this guy's more proven, this guy's better, whatever. But when the fall off or the decline starts to happen, then you're messing with a guy that's, you know, they're just trending down. And it's like, I'm not saying that Mookie Betts isn't great. I mean, he's still... I'm not overly concerned with yeah, him. It's too early but, to really be. Too but it's concerned. just the it's just the point of like when you're sitting him next to a guy that you also feel good about that is 22 or 23, um, and you know like the one certainty that you have is those extra years. I just I kind of feel like it's like why not just take the extra years when. Um, you know, the guys that are 28, 29, they can go backwards too. I mean, it's not it's not like they're just always gonna be that same exact player. So just things to just things to think about. I feel like I'm always thinking about that because some people are like, you know, oh, age does the age isn't that big of a deal and I want the production, but it's like How long are you gonna get Well it? these guys yeah, and these guys are producing too, like these young guys, you know. I mean Look at uh look at Mookie Betts's line right now next to Bo Bichette's. I mean, it's yeah. you know I mean it's um it's just like I said just things to think about. It's something to think about with these small power speed guys. I mean, it's definitely something to pay attention to. That's a great way to close this out. I think as, is going and getting in there. Hopefully, everybody enjoyed this. I I know I love this episode. Every time we get to it, just good stuff to get a. It's easy. Dynasty. It's easy. Yes. To, easy to go long. That's for sure. <laughs> I haven't even looked at a clock. Let's see. Yep. Yep. We've gone long. Shouldn't be surprised. I, I fully expected that going in. Um, but as we close this up, we're, I should let everybody know we're not we're probably not going to have an episode next week. Andrew, you're going on a trip. You're going to go see a, a another major league stadium. You haven't that you haven't been to before yet, right? Yeah, I'm going to uh, going to Pittsburgh next weekend and gonna check out the. Um, hold on, hold on. What... <laughs> I'm going to cut you off right here and say. Oh shoot! I thought you said you were seeing a major league team. My bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm actually I'm really excited to see PNC Park. I'm yeah. not I'm not really excited to see the players that the Pirates are going to throw on the field. <laughs> I'm hoping Cabrian Hayes is back. He's getting close, um, but obviously, you know, I'm I'm more just excited to see the park. So Marlins, Marlins, and Pirates. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah be a fun one hopefully I, i'm just hoping jazz and cabrian hayes are in the lineup that's what I, i'm hoping for i'm just now remembering whenever you first said in the in a chat to me that um you were gonna go see the pirates in a month or whatever and i responded immediately i remember seeing my first minor league game <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yep 
And I'm going to go see a minor league team next week. Um, I haven't bought tickets yet, but the San Antonio Missions are coming to Springfield next week to face the Springfield Cardinals. And the San Antonio Missions are the double-A team for the San Diego Padres. And Andrew, do you know what Padre is in double-A right now? C.J. Abrams. Yes. So next week, I'm going to try to go at least once, maybe twice. They've just, like, loosened up Ho- and are allowing hopefully he's in. Hopefully he's in the lineup for you because <laughs> he, he wasn't for me. Well, I've got multiple stabs at this because I'm not driving. How, how far did you drive, like three hours? Uh, it was like two and a half or something, yeah. Yeah, it's 25 minutes from my home. So That's, I, that's good. I am going to try to get multiple games in next week. I'm going to – maybe I'll have to drag my daughter to one, but I want to see C.J. Abrams. I mean, Nolan Gorman's on the Cardinals' side too. So, yeah, I got – Nice. Yeah, I'll see a couple big-name prospects there next week. So I hope you enjoy your trip. We'll You we'll, might see you might see better baseball than I see at PNC, <laughs> <laughs> PNC Park. Uh yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, it's I'm just I'm excited to see the park. It, yes. I've heard multiple I've heard a couple different places say it's like the best park in baseball. So oh, yeah. I'm just excited to see it. But I haven't even heard anybody give a like another option as the best park. I only hear Pittsburgh when I hear best facility in major leagues. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Yep. And when you get back, we'll have some more stuff. I forgot to mention it. One last thing, because you were talking about dynasty ranks and I meant to tell I haven't told you this yet, but I have decided this last week that come the all star break, my goal is during the all star break week is to make another dynasty rankings and have that come out that week. So that'll give us something to talk about during that all star break. So that's my goal. Hopefully, I'm able to pull that off. Now, the I'm putting this out here to put to probably, if anything, put a little more pressure on myself to make sure I get it done. We should try and we should try and get like a mock set up during the All Star break. I don't know where what site we would do it on or how we would do it, but like a dynasty mock or something like that. I don't yeah, know. we'll have to do that again sometime there. There, maybe even maybe near the end of the year, whenever we don't have quite as much to talk about. Yeah, but we definitely need to do that. I know we did that two years ago with Brent. I can't remember if we did that last year. There was probably with the sixty game stretch. It, it was we didn't have as like we we had a lot to do in that little amount of time. So I don't know if we did it then. But yeah, yeah. I agree. We should definitely do that again. Yeah, that'll be that would be fun. So. Hope everybody has a great Memorial Day weekend. Um, enjoy baseball. Enjoy your time off work if you're able to get some. And, and until next time, take care, everybody. Yep, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, We would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 